Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now, here's your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you so much for coming along on the journey of this podcast that I started almost six and a half years ago. We are up now to like 623 episodes, something like that. I'd have to go back and look for sure, but I know we're in that vicinity. Uh, we have certainly crossed that 620 mark, but today we should have talked about the 420 mark because today we have another executive with us from the cannabis industry. Hasn't been intentional, but we've been learning a lot about an industry that is making way all over the country and that's what we're going to talk about today but before we get started i have to thank the first sponsor of this episode so this episode is brought to you by spectrum reach at spectrum reach they know three things better than anyone they know how to harness the power of multi-screen advertising they know how to offer a simplified one-stop shop destination for your marketing solutions and number three they know what makes our cities and towns tick because they're our neighbors. They're the most trusted media partner in America. And to find out more, go to spectrumreach.com. All right, so today we have with us Chelsea Mulligan. Now she is out of Arizona, but her company is gonna be expanding everywhere where you have legal cannabis stores. Uh, she has one of the first franchisable cannabis retail stores in the whole country. And they're the first one that is a fully turnkey solution. They do things like they pay attention to the real estate. Like, where do you go? Because there's so many restrictions, I would imagine, in this business. And they pay attention to all the little operational nuances. Doesn't matter what industry you work on, work in. When you get started, there's little things that, as an entrepreneur, you may have never thought about when it comes to how the store looks and how you have the entrance set up. And in this business, there's a lot of things you got to know or you're going to make mistakes. And you probably, with the licensing involved, don't want to make a lot of mistakes. So she is doing some really cool things. So Chelsea Mulligan, welcome to Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you so much, Tom. I'm really excited to be here. So before you started uh, The Open Door, you actually had done consulting for people who were starting retail cannabis stores. So let's talk a little bit about, about your background. Maybe go back for, further. Well, tell us about your career. Um, so started out operations in my early 20s, doing mergers and acquisitions, being the one to turn over gyms. Um, so I learned about operational efficiencies and kind of takeovers in that setting, um, which I was able to then apply to my cannabis industry knowledge. Started in 2013 and went out on my own in 2015. So since being in the industry, I have opened, triaged, and managed over 35 dispensaries in the U.S. So since 2013, that was about the the earliest days of the legalization trends that have been going on in the country. What are, what are some of the things that were different then than now? Everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so things I've, are I, in this I've interviewed a couple other people in your space, and they say, like, if, if you like things the way they are, don't wake up tomorrow because it's going to change. Truth. It changes daily. Um, I actually was talking to a colleague the other day about the fact that, you know, when I started managing dispensaries and opening them, vape pens weren't a thing. Um, that, that came after that. Even wax, you know, there was hash, but 
all of the different sugars and terp sauce with diamonds and different things, ways to medicate didn't exist. Um, and SOPs definitely didn't exist in our industry in 2013. What, what's an SOP? <laughs> a standard operating procedure. Gotcha. So gotcha. Oh, of course. How you unlock a cash I, register to I, how you. I thought that was a cannabis term. Sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, it's a normal business thing. I thought an SOP was like a new type of edible or something. I wasn't sure. If only. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me since things get added daily. So things are changing very, very fast. And pretty much from what I've seen around the country is that there's one or two stores in a city or a state that somebody has. But this idea of actually franchising it and taking care of sort of the the basic operational procedures there's not a lot of companies doing that. When when did you come up with this idea and when did you start the open door? So Kathy and I met in early 2020. We were introduced by who's now our advisor, Brian McC- McLaren, and she comes from years of franchising expense, uh, experience from Cold Stone um, to Taco Time, Blimpy Subs. And so when we met, we talked about, you know, her ability to franchise those brands and make relationships and create operational efficiencies coupled with my ability in the cannabis industry to understand the plant employees, how things should run and the compliance, which changes from state to state, city to city, uh, would make a perfect marriage (laughs) to create a brand that would fit in any state. And, you know, I mean, it does, it verifies it, it. varies from city to city on an experience you would have. And she had an experience where, you know, it necessarily wasn't the retail experience she would look for a few dispensaries. She didn't feel comfortable going into in Washington state once it went recreational. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to create something that was consistent, that the quality was always there. The customer service was there, but can also integrate with the community that it's in and become part of that community. And that's what the traditional big franchises that we think of, like, like a McDonald's or, you know, her being at Blimpy or Taco Time or you working with some of the large gyms that were that were out there. I mean, those are the things that have made franchising work across industry lines, right? Yeah. Everybody likes to know that they're going to get the same experience or they can trust an experience. Um, you know, and we won't be able to have the same product state to state unless that product happens to have facilities in both states. But what you can have is like, you know, a qualification, a way to verify your vendors to make sure that the brownie in Arizona is the same quality as the brownie in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Oklahoma. <laughs> so what made you choose this industry? I mean, when you when you left the, the gym world behind and, and you started managing and helping open dispensaries for other people, what made you say, hey, this is a growth industry. I can make some waves here. So I've been a cannabis user since I was 18 after injuring myself pretty badly and being on a cocktail of many too many pharmaceuticals. So I believed in the plant. I didn't really believe I would ever work with the plant, which is so cool. But um, I chose this industry. It was actually a fluke. There was an ad and I really wanted to have more hours and kind of diversify my abilities. Um, and I liked managing people. I'm, my soapbox is employee management. And the interview happened to go really, really well. And that was kind of my interest in. And I realized, wow, I can couple like my love for operational efficiencies and employee management with the fact that this plant has helped me exponentially in life. To be able to marry those two is a 
really cool realization. So I have found that there are still a lot of people who kind of roll their eyes. I, I interviewed somebody else and I said, 10 years ago when you started in, into the business, was this something you talked about at the PTA? And she was like, oh no, you know, whereas now she's the CEO of the largest edibles company of it. We had the CEO of Wana Brands on here. And, you know, now, you know, her company has done extremely well. It's one of the largest that's out there. But, you know, we, we laughed during the interview about that. And I also interviewed someone who does packaging. And he said that in the early days, you know, he couldn't tell his uncle necessarily what he did. Do you still find that within some communities that it's, you don't want to just go, yay, this is what we do? Oh, for sure. Um, I think I've gotten a little bit lucky for the last two and a half years because we've been homeschooling our child for about two and a half years. So she can be a competitive gymnast. But before that, I had parents at her elementary school say, like, well, my kid can't go to your house. Can't go, can't go play with Chelsea's daughter. That's the pot lady. Exactly. And I, I realized like, okay, wow, it can impact her. Um, I wouldn't say as much now. Now I don't speak up about what industry I'm in because it overtakes the entire room. Like a girlfriend of mine had to get together pre-COVID and I didn't say what I did. And she mentioned it. And all of a sudden, everybody had like 25 questions. And we kind of lost the reason we were even all in the same room. <laughs> um, so I don't necessarily like to talk about it because of that. So it's extreme difference, right? Before it was like, okay, I don't want to be the black sheep where everybody shuns me. Now it's like, well, I don't really want to be the center of attention. And I don't want to talk about it. So we'll just stay in the background. <laughs> so it's coming up on a year that you and your co-founder met. Tell me about the last year since since you met her and, and you've, you were introduced by your advisor and, and Open Door began. What's been the trajectory of the company? Where do you stand now? Um, I mean, now we're not acquaintances anymore. We're actually friends, which is really cool to be in business with somebody that I also would consider a friend, somebody I feel comfortable talking to. Um, and we we're actually discussing today before I got on the podcast with you, like, it seems like it was light years ago that we met, but somehow we've, I mean, cause we got the 3d renderings back a couple weeks ago, but we were going back over them today and just to see the 3d rendering of the store. Um, and it all came to fruition. And during a pandemic, um, I mean, when we took in our, our investment, it was the day the stock market crashed. And I, we both had this moment of, Oh, <laughs> did we do the wrong thing? <laughs> No, I knew it was the right thing. I think people need your product more now after the pandemic. Um, I I, I always laugh. I remember when they started the lockdowns back in March and April uh, and the Colorado governor had locked everything down. And within like eight hours, he had repealed liquor stores and dispensaries because the doctors actually called him and said, we have enough problems. You don't want people, you know, not getting this stuff if that's what they need to get through the day. So, so you've got your 3D renderings of, of the first store. So you're about to open. What's the, what's the plan here? It's not about to open, but it's so that any potential franchisee is able to see um, the like concept, right. And be able to feel like they're standing in there to see what they will get. Um, and it's stunning. Uh, and it's amazing to see it just all come to fruition, to be honest. And I have a certain way that I think dispensaries should run from both operation, but also compliance and to just make it even more efficient. The faster you can make the customer experience, but they also feel like they're a customer, not a number is the ideal way. So what are some of those things as far as operations that you're putting into play with, with the franchise? That's a great question. <laughs> uh, so most of it I can't really give away because a lot of my efficiencies are in the back end in the inventory area. And that Understand. is definitely the more propri pri proprietary part. Um, 
But I think for me too, you know, the operational efficiency biggest for me is maximizing the sales area, but also maximizing the education online through social media, a website, and in the front area. Because if you can educate a consumer in multiple different ways, they don't spend as long on a sales floor. Not to say that you don't have that time for them, because there is that customer that will need that time. And that's important to provide that. But to be able to cut that down obviously maximizes your profits, right? That you can see more customers that way. So if you are educating them consistently and giving them robust amounts of education in different ways, I think it helps your sales floor experience. So as you're looking to get your first franchisees on board and get your first stores open, what do you think the time frame is? When are we going to be able to, you know, be at Arizona or Colorado or or wherever? When are we going to be able to go to an open door? I mean, my goal would be that by end of summer 2021, one is open. Um, I'm trying to be realistic, especially with COVID of, you know, zoning, building it out employees, training, hiring. So I think, I think end of summer is a realistic thing. Um, obviously sooner if in the right place and if everything falls into place, but let, none of that happens. <laughs> you have to plan for a few hiccups here and there. So that, that is definitely what I envision would be end of summer 2021. So this is an exciting time for a company. What's, what's the part that gets you up every day and gets you really excited as you're, you know, about to, you know, take on the the first franchisees and get the first stores open. What, what gets you all excited? The entire thing, being able to know that I'm providing consumers with a consistent quality experience with products they can trust and count on. Um, I have been, as I said, I've been a consumer since I was 18. So I, I think that that is so important. I think that going into a dispensary is so overwhelming for so many people. Um, I have accompanied many first-time patients or consumers to their experience because they're like, I don't know what to do. What do I pick? Like, how do I know out of those 25 brownies, which one I should eat? Um, and often, you know, I think the bud tenders do their best with the knowledge that they have. And I'm not saying I know more, but I do feel a little bit more comfortable managing them that it doesn't scare me to walk into one. Um, and I think that offering somebody an experience that isn't as inundating and is consistent throughout is what gets me up. The second thing that gets me up is employee management. Like I said, is my soapbox. And I think that we have, we as an industry have a really big chance to create a different, different atmosphere for employees. And I think that that starts with a company making that decision and as open door investing in their training, investing in their knowledge, investing in, you know, them making a livable wage. Like it's, it all comes full circle and only helps the business. If you help the employees, which helps the community. And that's my soapbox. No, that, that, that's good. And I think <laughs> all great companies always have very happy uh, employees, right? So I know some of that will be sort of proprietary, but what are some of the things you want to do for the employees, for the bud tenders who work at Open Door? What What's some of your hopes and dreams? Um, I mean, the living wage is, a, I think, a bigger topic. So we'll leave that as its own like line item, right? That encompasses a lot, but training and investing in their time. So like in Arizona, you have to have a dispensary agent card to be able to work in one. So a company pays $500 every two years. So that's a given, right? That to me, that's a cost of doing business, but investing in their training, not just at the outset of here's how you enter in a sale. And, you know, here's the basics of how medication or 
cannabis can be consumed. I think, you know, it just like the landscape changes for us operationally, it changes in ways to ways to consume all of that. So, you know, quarterly or bi-yearly um, educational things, I think are really important and you invest them with in them with that. Sorry, no. tripping over myself. <laughs> no, that's per- no, that's perfect. I'm, I'm, I'm actually very interested in everything that, that you're doing. And I know the people listening, you know, this isn't just about the cannabis industry. This is about any business that's looking to, you know, open or grow or continue to thrive. You know, people is, it's such an important part of it for everybody. So I think that, I think that, that that's a really, a really key piece of that. So you started this whole thing from like, hi, this is going to be your, your new business partner to, Maybe in six months, the first store is opening. You've, you've got all this going during a global pandemic. What advice do you have for somebody who is trying to grow a business, whether they're starting it or they're just trying to take it to the next level? In these times, you have to have learned a lot in the past nine months. I've learned a lot about taking a deep breath and really believing in yourself and what you're doing. Um I always think a good gut check for anybody is a good idea, right? Because we can believe in something or we can want something. But do you know in your gut that this is like, this is it? This, this is definitely where you should be. And most of us, if we sit with it long enough, we can know that. So I would say that's number one for me um, as advice. Like be able to get real with yourself and be able to do that gut check. Because um, I definitely did like three times. <laughs> <laughs> and every single time it came back that like, this is what is needed. Um, and also what I, I think is needed um, and what the industry seems to be craving on some level of the retail level. There's so many different levels of the industry. We won't talk about all of that. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, this isn't just for business people in the pandemic, but I think, you know, self-care is huge. Being able to just take a deep breath and realize that, some days are going to be worse than others as we go through the anxiety of what does this mean in business? What does this mean for employees? What does this mean for our own personal health and our families? Um, being able to take a deep breath, take a step back and be like, I can't fix everything. I can't control everything. I have to decide what I can control. And that's what I focus on. Everything else is what it is. So what's kind of going through my head is is the movie about the founding of McDonald's and how, you know, the, the franchising of, of McDonald's is really, you know, how they did it. And a big play for that was the real estate and figuring out, you know, how to how to actually have the real estate matter. What in, in your business? I mean, there's obviously zoning rules can't open one of these next to a school. And there's probably some other things. What are some of the things about the locations that you have to take into effect that maybe someone doesn't have to do if they're flipping burgers? Um, so like you said, they can't be a certain proximity to a school, churches, things like that. Um, so we, Brian McLaren, our advisor is, he's head of zoned properties. So he knows all the zoning in and outs and is able to pick out those properties. So I won't speak to much of it because it's definitely not my wheelhouse. (laughs) Um, and I'm definitely a person that can, I'm okay saying like, I don't know. Um, so, but beyond churches, schools, um, that's kind of where my expertise and also it depends on square footage, right? Mm -hmm. So like, you don't want to rent a 10,000 square foot building that maybe only 2000 square feet can be your dispensary. And now you have other issues. So, um, but at the open door, it's unique because we can then offer that to all of our potential franchisees, Mm -hmm. location picking and zoning and all of that. 
And I love it when I interview somebody and I ask a question and they say, hey, it's not my expertise. I have other people on my team who help with that. Because I think that's I think that's a sign of a great leader is know what your strengths are and work surround yourself with great people for those other strengths. So how many states is recreational cannabis legal in right now? I believe it's 32, but I don't want to quote myself wrong. I actually think I may be wrong. And that's something I should know. That's right. But like you said, we build great teams. It's why I have a fabulous sales director who knows all of those answers. <laughs> so how long do you think it is? Do you have Do you have a little gut check before it's all 50 states? Do you think this is a two-year deal or a 20-year deal? I'm going to say two to five. Okay. I think it's more like five. Um, unless the new president decides to take a different stance and very, very quickly, which I mean, may work out, right? Seeing some tax dollars after these huge pandemic bills going through, I'm sure would not hurt. Um, but I think we're looking at more of like a five-year thing. I think the UN's recent change will make a massive difference. I think they'll have to start looking at it, right? And seeing the House vote, yes, the Senate won't vote, yes. But I think, I mean, that in itself is such huge growth that I don't think any of us thought we would see for at least five to 10 years. I think that means that it's closer than we think. So with over half the states there and the rest of them headed that direction, essentially open door could be the McDonald's of cannabis within just a few years, a few years where you're, you know, touching every single, every single state. What excites you about that? So I come from Seattle um, and have watched Starbucks grow exponentially. And, and who so, would have thought we would have paid seven bucks for a cup of coffee? Seriously. Um, I, that's what excites me to look at being possibly like the next Starbucks of the cannabis industry. I think that that, that excites me hugely. I, I, I love to see businesses grow. It's why I do this show. It's why I interview people like you and companies of all sizes. Cause it, it gets me excited just to know that there's growth out there. And that's why I like to interview people in a lot of different industries. And as I said, at the beginning of the show, I've interviewed two or three other people from your industry. And I, I had a friend say, what's the deal? And I'm like, it's exciting because it's the Wild West in some ways. I mean, do you feel that you're a pioneer? Do I feel? Yes. Do I ever call myself that? No. <laughs> um, I, in the last year, have had to get more comfortable with being able to say those types of things. I've never considered myself an expert. I still won't say that because um, I think we learn something new every single week in this industry. Um, and if we're not open to learning, then we're stagnant as humans. So, um, but yes, so yes, I would consider myself a pioneer of the Arizona industry. I wouldn't say the U.S. Well, the U.S. had better watch out. I think Chelsea's coming. Chelsea's gunning for you. So I've got a couple more questions for you. But first, I have to thank the other sponsor of this episode. So this episode, like all of them, is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing people who are making waves in their industry like Chelsea Mulligan. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know, I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Chelsea, I used to call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. 
what's the coolest thing that uh, that Open Door is doing right now? What 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 makes you go like this is so cool? I think the launch is one of the coolest things right now, right? Because it's it's new to the cannabis industry. It's new as a thought process, um, and new for all these people about ready to apply for licenses. So, are you starting to hear from a lot of franchisees? Is this has this gotten out there into the the world of people who are looking for opportunities? Is is your phone ringing a lot? We have we have heard from a decent amount now that we've launched and it is public, which is really exciting to see a really great response. I mean, there's obviously, I mean, as humans, anything we put out there that is ours that we've worked on and is our baby is that moment of like, is everyone going to hate it? (laughs) Are they going to think it's horrible? Is no one going to (laughs) clap? Um, so to see the inundation of positivity and good responses and potential franchisees is overwhelming. So if someone's listening to the show and they're thinking, I've been looking for a business opportunity. I live in a state where this is an option. How do they find out? How do they find out about becoming a franchisee of the open door? Reach out to us on the open and open door is open. And then D O R not two O's just one O. Um, And then we can kind of steer them in the right direction for somebody to help them with the application and stuff. We don't personally handle the applications, um, but we can steer them in the right direction. Awesome. So when you look out to the world of business professionals, of people who are making waves across industry lines, who do you admire? Who do you say she or he, they're making waves? In my industry? In any industry. Who Who do you look at and go, oh yeah, I admire them? So honestly, my biggest like, business crush <laughs> oh, and someone that's I a good that's a wait wait that's a great line i'm gonna uh, next time i interview somebody i'm gonna say who's your business crush i like that you're welcome <laughs> um is bethany frankel mm-hmm. i it, she started with nothing and created skinny girl as just a margarita and what it has evolved into to clothing and food and now that she's moved on to the philanthropy with be strong um while she's a mother um I just, I admire her in every single aspect. Oh, that, 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 that's so, so awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for coming and having this conversation. I, I don't get to talk to people very often before anyone has heard of them, before they've really launched. And I'm just spinning in the back of my head thinking in five years, uh, you're going to have to take my calls because I'll be like, remember you were on this podcast. It was probably one of the first podcasts you ever did. And by the way, you were fantastic uh, because I think you're onto something and I think Open Door D-O-R, everybody, Open Door. Uh, I think Open Door is going places because I've seen it around the country. I travel a lot and I have seen uh, just the explosion of the cannabis industry in the states where it's been made legal. And I think that you have found a hole that hasn't been filled. And we live in a world where we all know, right? We all know about Blimpy. We all know about Taco Time. I think you've found an opening that uh, I think there's going to be a lot of people chasing you. Thank you so much. And I sure hope you're right. <laughs> and in five years, I will take your call. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you again thank for being you. here. And thank you to everybody who listened. I say it every single show. If it wasn't for the audience, why would I do this? It's all for you. We're all trying to learn our way through this crazy business world together. Uh, do me a favor. If you like the show, go review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast love. And uh, the other thing is leave one of those reviews. People... I love the reviews, but more importantly, go tell a friend because everybody who listens to the show tells me they heard about it from somebody they know. And I want more people to listen to the show. So do me a favor. Go tell somebody right now. I'll wait. Did you do it? Nope. I'm still going to wait. 
All right. Thank you very much for telling somebody. We're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Chelsea Mulligan. But in the meantime, I want you to go out there, flex your own entrepreneurial muscles. Make sure your career ladder is against the correct wall. Don't climb to the top of the career ladder and find out you're in the wrong place. You want to have a passion for your job like Chelsea does, like I do, and make sure that you're doing it right. And while you're doing it, have some fun. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.